Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we have Hans Georg Hoprich with us, who will continue our sermon series through the Book of Acts. Studying today's passage, we will elaborate what it means to be a man or woman after God's own heart. Join us today to find out more about living in harmony with the Lord, taking God's word serious, and setting a heart on God's will above our own. for all those that care for these technical things that they can be transferred uh, all around the globe and we believe either people listen as now um, or even later on somewhere uh, all around the globe we welcome you and uh, you're warmly welcome to follow all these services here at uh, Grace Church I've been asked many a times, you know, what is Grace Church all about? Well, we promote you, Grace Church people, gods, people all around the globe. So we are proud of you, and you're very special people, and you're loved by many. I just want to confirm that uh, it is um, very meaningful and uh, very special. So we... Um, Well, with uh, Ghanaian people, we met also some Chinese folks. As you know, within BEG, we have international churches. Um, there is a, a Chinese evangelical church that was founded by women, I don't know, also probably about 40 or even 50 years. And um, they meet uh, every Sunday, and there's one very special thing And I'm so proud of that. Because you know what they did? Yes, they have a Chinese fellowship. But beside that, they started to, have, to bring in Austrians. And they have a, an Austrian service in German. In the Chinese church. Would you believe it? And I'm encouraging uh, you know, all the international churches to do the same. Place. Um, a national church beside your Romanian church or your Japanese church or your Korean church so that our people here in Austria see that you're concerned with all people, not just with, with one nationality. That's so important. So I'm so excited, you know, to see that happening in the Chinese church, they are just church searching even for a, for a pastor to pastor um, an Austrian church beside the Chinese church. The Chinese church, of course, they have their own pastor. So isn't that exciting? And that church even supports people in, um, in different parts um, in uh, Austria, um, uh, home fellowships, and they support Austrian people to do the work of the Lord. Praise God, you know, that such kind of things are existing. I'm so happy to see them thriving um, and see that happening. God cares for His people, doesn't He? Uh, God's heart, God's men, God's ways. What is a man after God's own heart? Let's look at this this morning. We want to look at the story of David 
and how his example of being a man after God's own heart. And I want to emphasize this is God's own heart. It's only when we look at him that we realize who he is and who we are. You know, it's in comparison. So, you know, even if we do not fit up to, to that um, picture of God, we can compare, you know, who are we? And then um, God may give grace. And we do need grace to adjust. And it's not a sudden adjust. Sometimes it's sudden, but oftentimes it's gradually that we adjust. And so looking at David, um, we can see he was a man. I, I can't dare to say that because if we look at, at in the life of David, wow, so many things were happening that where he was indeed a man after God's own heart. But even as many things were happening this side, there was another side of the life of David where we cannot see that. And even though, even though, and that is so encouraging, he was a man after God's own heart. He or he, uh, she is, I mean, we can see both sides um, and we will talk about each point of faithful in little things. He or she is a, a giant slayer. He or she is obedient to the will of God. These are the three main points we want to ponder on. And if you have your Bibles uh, with you, I would invite you to turn with me to Acts 13. We push back a little bit, you know, I realize that we've gone beyond Acts 18, 19, but today, being Father's Day, we, we want to look at this very picture of um, a father, uh, a, a, the father of all fathers, God, God's heart, God's man, God's ways. A man or a person after God's own heart. What does this mean? What does it mean? Now, Paul uh, elaborates um, in a sermon about the history of God's people, about the Israelites and so on. And he mentions Saul that uh, was in reign. We read about uh, him in Acts 13, um, 21. It says, and the people begged. They wanted to have a king. They want to have a superior person. They would look up and not just look down, but would look up and they begged for it. What a strange word. They begged for it. We want to have a king. We want to see something. We want to see a throne and so on and so forth. And as you know, I've got a very personal friend who is king in, in, uh, in Africa, in Ghana, north of Accra. King Nene uh, Sakite the second, and uh, when we approached his um, uh, his palace, 
we were instructed how to approach him. He wasn't just looking at him, not at all. They said to us, you know, you're not allowed to look into his eyes before you introduce yourself to him. And our African brothers and sisters, they know what it means. You know, you don't just jump in a palace and just, here I am, you know, I'm Hans from Germany. I'm so proud of it, you know, good king. Well, let's uh, have a good word together. You never do that. And I was instructed even to present him with a present. You can't just come in and jump in as you like. You know, very different. There is a hierarchy and, uh, well, introduce yourself. And then, you know, uh, somehow later uh, you can look at the eyes of the king. And I was very privileged then to even pray with a king because he celebrated his uh, 63rd birthday. So he asked me, would you... Uh, pray with me. So, I mean, I didn't touch him, put my, my, didn't put my hands around his shoulders, but, um, you know, in respect, uh, him sitting on the throne and, uh, you know, um, all his advisors around him, we prayed with him. What a privilege. I was still in contact just about two or three years ago when we had our last valedictory service in Germany in Gellingen near Stuttgart. Um, he was also present, and I'm, you know, I'm, I was so happy to have him with him, uh, to spend time with him. Margaret got to know him as well, and uh, she said he's a very different man than I thought because he's approachable. You know, you can talk with him. You know, he's a very wise guy. He's a professor of economics. Um, you know, he was lecturing in Boston University, so you, you know. He is quite uh, well-known and respected and, and so on. So the people of Israel, they wanted to have a, a king. And they begged for a king and God gave. What a God we serve. We can beg God and uh, he answers our prayers. He gave them Saul, son of, son of Kish. We read in Acts thirteen twenty one a man of the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years, but God removed him and replaced him with David as king, a man about whom God said, David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, for he will obey me. And it is one of King David's descendant, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior in Israel. A man or a person after God's own heart. What does it not mean? You know, we need to compare, as I said, so we need to look at what does it not mean. Because apparently, the things that we, that, uh, are not meant, they stuck far, far more better in our heart and mind than the things that are real. So what does it not mean? First of all, and this is why we have the example of David, my brothers and sisters, it does not mean perfection. That's the first point. It does not mean that we never make a mistake. Now, I'm not encouraging to make a lot of mistakes, you know, and then the grace will, God's grace will be even bigger. I'm not saying that. But it, it's obvious when we look at people of God, we think they are perfect. 
And unless they are perfect, they can't open their mouth. But the Bible tells us quite a different thing. It does not mean that we never make a mistake. You know, it's, it is interesting to me that God described David in a one-liner. One line to describe his entire life and he could have used many words. We could have read this differently today. It could have read, David, a great king. David, a musician. David, an adulterer. David, a murderer. That would be all truth. It could have said that instead it says, David, a man, after God's own heart. When I read this, I hope that whatever you did in the past does not have to be you are a one-liner that describes you. Now, it is important to say here that although David is, was not perfect, he was repentant of his sins. But from David's life, we learn that we do not have to be perfect to be a man after God's own heart. It seems that David possessed characteristics that override those very ugly stages of his life. When God scans the earth for potential leaders, he's not on search for angels in the flesh. He's certainly not looking for perfect people since there are none. And I want to underline that because we kind of puzzled in our mind. Strange things are happening whenever God's men open their mouth. We think, wow, they need to be next to perfect. Nobody else can open their mouth. He's certainly not looking, God is not looking for perfect people since there are none. He's searching for a man and woman like you and me, mere people made up of flesh. But he, he is also looking for people who share the same qualities he found in David. And this is why we need to compare. You know, where are we today now? He found in David, God is looking for men and women after his own heart. Something else that being a man after God's own heart does not mean, and that is someone who appears to be floating on the clouds all the time, you know, who is not, a tra you know, devastated if somebody dies in the family? You know, it's just laughing all the time, happy, happy as can be. Someone 
who has no problems, no trials, easy life, no stress, no pressure. You know what I, what I call that? That's not somebody, someone after God's own heart. That isn't. And I want you to be reminded of that. That is not a man or a woman by God's, after God's own heart. That's someone after comfort. That's someone who chooses never to get out of the boat. That is someone who will never see the miracles. That's someone who will never walk on water. That is someone who will never see the impossible because they choose comfort over God's plan. These are not people by God's own heart. There are times where David ran for his life, where he was desperate. There were times people made a conspiracy, times he needed to fight. Being a man after God's own heart is not trial-free. You know, we want to have a flat life, but what sort of life is it? If it's a flat life, you know, without up and down, do you? I don't like that kind of life because I want to experience God's provision. You see, when we talk to our Ghanaian friends all around Europe, that's exactly what I wanted to bring across because they asked me for a topic of how to raise funds for missions. So I challenged them and said, the only challenge where we experience God is when we have nothing to present, present people with. So that God can intervene, you know, and he needs to intervene because we, we are empty-handed. So the bishop in Ghana, you know, he picked it up because he understood the challenge. He said, that's what we need. We need a challenge. Because it's only when we are challenged that we experience God as he is. If we don't have any challenges, if our life is kind of flat... No challenges? What sort of life is it? Yes, I'm, you know, I'm, I need to confess, you know, it's so great, you know, not to have a, uh, not to have trials, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's something that is so pleasant to me. I like it, but that's not life. That's not reality of life at all. It isn't. I mean, you're a doctor in the hospital, and uh, David, I mean, you see desperate people every day, I guess. With the life-threatening sicknesses and so on. Well, that's reality in life, isn't it? I don't like it. But that's how it is. And the same was in, in David's um, life. Because another myth about being a man after God's heart, God's own heart, is that David was born that way. You know, hey, well, that's how it was, you know, and, and uh, uh, he was ever happy ever since. You know, there are sayings that if you are a good God with plants, you have a green thumb. Uh, the saying seems to indicate 
that you do not need to learn the skills or develop yourself in this. You are born that way. You have that ability from birth. Is that true? Well, certainly not with David. He grew into a man. He grew into a man after God's own heart. The same is true with other great people in the Bible, like um, Elijah, a man of many miracles. God used him in great, powerful ways. Yet James 5.17 says, describes him, James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know, we can identify, we can look into his eyes. He was just one of us. So in other words, he was not born that way. So what does it mean based on the life of David? We've seen what it is not. To pick up, hopefully, what it is. Based on the life of David, to be a man after God's heart, what is it? It starts with being faithful in the little things. Faithful in the little things. Being a person after God's own heart starts with who you are when no one is looking at you. In the secrets of life, tonight in bed, uh, tomorrow at the place you work, are you faithful in what you do? The little things, it starts with what you do with the things that people consider to be insignificant. When you look at David's life on the surface, there does not seem to have much of to impress God. He was a nice-looking person. But he, what he did, his job title was not exciting. He was not jumping out of airplanes, saving people. He didn't have a, a private jet. Jump out, jump in, go from one country to another as we would look at somebody that is successful, money-wise. He was a very young shepherd. That's how it started. He was a very young shepherd taking care of sheep in, little, in a little village called Bethlehem. Yet the Bible says he was doing this for his father. He was responsible to his father. Can you see that? He learned it while he was young. He was keeping his father's sheep. And he was doing it well by protecting them. Because we read in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 35, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Wow. He must have had a very, he must have been a very strong young guy. 
Can you imagine what he did? David was doing the job no one else wanted to do when, and he did it well. Everyone was out where the action and the excitement was. He was at home taking care of the sheep and protecting them. This young man had true courage. He would not run from the lion and the bear. He would run towards the lion and the bear to protect even the sheep. He was able to do the dirty job. No one wanted to do. Today there are Christians to miss it. They, they will only serve if it's exciting. They will only get involved in it when it is fun. You know, you, you know that word, you know, fun. Let's have fun. Jesus talked a lot about seeking the first places or helping only those that could repay you back. He talked about not looking for those things that are exalted and prestigious. He even said that in regards um, to spirituality, do not do things that only brings a sensation to you, that centers you as a person in the very center of your ministry. No, do not things that only gratifies your senses and only things that are exciting. Do not do things that only boost your ego. Learn to do things that do not build your ego. Be willing for God's sake to do the job no one else wants to do. Even if it is the least significant job out there that no one considers important, a man after God's own heart is willing to get his Hands dirty. He will have the same attitude that Colossians 3.23 talks about. We read, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters. Although David's Father and family did not value this insignificant task or recognize how well of a job he did. God recognized it. And God rewarded it. And God was preparing him and training him to true leadership, to be a shepherd of his people. Never underestimate what you do in secret. Never. Even if it appears to be insignificant, when you are out there cleaning out the toilets or mobbing the floors or taking out the trash, cooking dinner, and no one is looking, no one thanks you, God is taking notice of it. 
when you are working at your job and you are putting stuff on the shelves and your boss is away in vacation and all your co-workers are slack and they are taking it easy because the boss is not watching you and you are saying, no, I'm responsible towards God. I'm going to continue my work. It's not going to change because my boss is not watching me. I'm going to continue to work at it with all my heart. And I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to be a trustworthy person because God is watching me anyway. God notices the little things. Being a man after God's own heart starts with being faithful in the little things. David was called a man after God's heart because he did not allow, and that's my second point, fear to stop him from slaying the giants. In 1 Samuel 17 37, it says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. I love this attitude. I love it. That we see in David, because this is not the first time David faces this. What you are about to see in the public in the spectacularly, David learned to do this, exactly this. He just jumped in and was, you know, kind of faithful because he was a, a different person in secret. No, the person he was in secret became also public, the same person, you know. There wasn't any difference. He was just playing around, you know, about his status about who he was. No, he wasn't playing. That was the David, the same David. This is an important lesson. Do not try to do in the public what you do not first do in the private. Do not try to get involved with public battles if you do not have victory over your private battle. Do not try to lead people if you cannot lead yourself. This is so important, the preparation of David for the public, for the stage, for the spectacular started in the secret, started in the insignificant. And because of the preparation in the secret, he is able to face this giant. David had a track record that no one knew about. This is why they all got so excited. They were surprised to see him in reality. But what he did in secret, he was in reality the same person. Faith is doing things even if you are not afraid. Even if you are afraid. Faith is not letting your fears Limit you. And David did not let his fears or the fears of others limit his potential. And when you take the path God has set for you, thirdly, he was 
secondly, slaying the giants, thirdly, and this is the big reason why he was described that a man after God's own heart by God, David, was obedient to the will of God. Acts 13, 20, 30, uh, 13.22 says, after removing Paul, and we've read this, and I want to read it again and again, and I guess it's also on the notes, after remo removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So on the hand, on one hand, we have Saul who disobeyed orders. He stepped out of his boundaries. God himself said to him in 1 Samuel 15, 10 and 11. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Samuel. Wow, what a devastating word. It comes like a shock. I regret that I've made Saul king because he has turned, he wasn't like that in the beginning, but he has turned. Can you see the development? They can go to the very top, to the very positive, and it, but it can turn also uh, to the very negative. So with Saul, that's what we learn. He has turned away from me. He has not carried out my instructions. Can you see Saul's disobedience? His heart had started to wander far from God and he was not paying attention to God's instructions. Let me say this in this way. When your heart is far from God, your actions will not line up with the will of God. A soul heart began to wander far, you know. He wandered away. Hey, that's a slow process. It doesn't come suddenly because then it becomes obvious for everybody. But it's a slow, you know, going. It's not a going up the ladder, but it's a slow going down, step by step. And sometimes we even recognize, we, we personally don't recognize this, but others will recognize that you're going down the ladder. You're not going up. In the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to Titus and describes similar people. In Titus 1, 10 and 15 to 16, he says, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is poor, but both their minds and their conscience uh, are defiled. They, are, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. As Saul 
A soul's heart grew far from God. His actions do not line up with the will of God. The people talks about in Titus, they profess. I mean, their mouth is talking about it. They profess to know God, but their actions denied it. They professed to know God, but they were insubordinate, disobedient, defiant, not listening to God's instruction. So here we have a soul at the end of his rule who God describes. This is important because Saul did not describe himself that way, but God did it. It becomes obvious. Saul did not see a problem. Saul thought he was close to God. He was God's man, God's chosen. Not, but God did not see him that way. We have a Saul who God describes as one who ignores God's instructions. And on the other hand, we have a David, a David who, no, was not perfect, but God says. Can you see the difference? I have found David, a man after my own heart. He will do everything. Everything. I want him to do. David was willing to do everything for God. That is what a man after God's own heart is. A person who is willing to do everything God wants him to do. And if he wants you to do it, you're not on your own. He will strengthen you. He will support you. He will encourage you. He will set people aside for you to do his will. This is why it's so important, by the way, to meet with God's people on Sunday. We need that encouragement. The times are incredible, discouraging. We look at the war in the Ukraine, you know. Um, hundreds of people are dying right now. They're killed, devastated. You never find them again. Their body is destroyed. And young people, you know, they recognize it. This is why so many young people, they just jump out of life and, and uh, either, uh, you know, close, shut their doors and live by their own. Or sadly enough, they take their life. They commit suicide. Because it, there is no other hope. The hope is found with God himself, with the Lord Jesus, to walk closely with him. This is the only encouragement. And then walk closely with the people of God, with his church. I urge you, wherever you are, people of God, meet together again. Have fellowship together. This is where you get encouragement. Where people look at you where people encourage you. So it's so important to meet together, to get together, and do not lose heart. 
David has said it's hard to do everything God wanted him to do. Will you set your heart this morning to do everything God wants you to do? What does it mean? We get a little bit practical now, and I hope I'm not getting too close to you this morning. Um, please, uh, I'm, not, I'm not asking to apologize me, but I'm getting very close now. I mean, you can jump uh, on your chair or even walk out and slam the door. I'm so happy that it is the word of God. It's not my personal, you know, because I'm failing. What does it mean to be a person after God's own heart? Seems to me it's, it means that you are a person whose life is in harmony with the Lord. What is important to him is important to you. What burdens him burdens you. When he says, go to the right, you go to the right. When he says, stop that in your life, stop it. And I don't know, I mean, God may talk to you right now. Stop it. Don't go any further. And you know, I don't know what he tells you right now. Stop it. When he says this is wrong and, and want you to change, you come to terms with it because you have a heart for God. That is the difference. It's not spectacular. A man or a woman after God's own heart is a person that if he sees there is something or if he reads something in the Word of God that does not line up with his or her life, he or she is a person, and that's very important because there are too many that do that, a person that doesn't adjust the Bible. You know what it means? You know, I know it better. The Bible is wrong. I'm going on top of the Bible, you know. I've got a better word than the Bible. Do you know how many people think that? But a person of God does not adjust the Bible because the Bible is the last word. There is no other word over that. He changes and adjusts instead himself. He will repent where he needs to repent. He will adjust his life to match what God's will is. So in other words, it if God says, I want you to quit excessive drinking or smoking or whatever it is, these are kind of practical things. And there's far more beyond drinking and smoking. That is just one of many, many, many things. If God says you to stop cursing, you stop cursing. That is what a man after God's own heart is. Or you adjust your life, you walk your actions with the will of God. If God says, I want you to start tithing, then you tithe. If God says, and I want to get closer now. If God says you to stop stealing, you stop stealing. Now, who am I to point fingers to you? Oh, is there somebody who's who still steals, you know, does a lot of stealing. I don't know. 
Um, certainly, it can happen even with the people of God. If God says, I want you to stop lying, stop lying. If God says, if you to get married, to stop sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend before you make a covenant before me and witness, then you get married. This is a sharp word of God. Who wants to change it? And it come, doesn't come from me, you know. I don't have the morals. The word of God is pretty sharp. So we decide whether we are a man or a woman by God's own heart or whether we develop towards soul who wandered away. And there are people that wander away. If God says, I've given you gifts to serve the body of Christ and I want you to use them to serve the body of Christ, Christ, do it. In Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, do it. If Christ says this morning, get off your job, do my work full time, go on missions or whatever, do it. I plead with you because we have learned And, and seen so many people with God made it very plain to serve him. They did not. When they grew up 60 or 65, when their life wasn't fit to do it, they regretted it deeply. How many old people I, I have seen tears in their eyes and they said, I regret it. I regret my life. I needed to do it. God urged me. So it's pretty urgent. This is what God's will is anyway. God's will is also always urgent. A person that doesn't adjust the Bible and lastly a person that sets the heart to obey God's will. Will you obey? Will you set your heart To obey God. Jesus says in John 14, 23, and I want to finish with that. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. This is what God says. The word of God. So you decide. And as I said, um, There are too many things it does not mean, but there are far more things it means to be a man and a woman by God's heart. So think about it today on Father's Day 2022, what it means to be a man or woman by God's heart. Think about it. Obey Follow him. Stand with him. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for that very picture you gave to us. You obeyed perfectly to the will of God. It was your life. We can see in the word of God 
that you obeyed perfectly, totally. You subdued your will to the will of God, to your Father. And Lord, you know where we differ from that. Right now, wherever your people are, thank you that your word is more powerful than a human word. And we trust that you can transmit that very word of God in people's heart. We thank you that you are all-powerful, almighty God. And we thank you for the testimony of King David. We thank you for the life. Thank you for his obedience. Help us too to obey and subdue our will to yours so that we may found faithful in your presence. We thank you that we can lift up your name, your holy name. Your name is above all names. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. You are the first and last. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.